and to God the things that are God's. One of the scribes came near and asked Jesus, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. This is much more important than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that the scribe answered wisely, Jesus said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any questions. Well, the religious leaders ask of Jesus questions in order to trap him. Many came to Jesus knowing he was a wise teacher and asked him spiritual questions in their search for life's meaning. A rich man came to Jesus to do just this, searching for easy answers to a spiritual crisis. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know these the commandments, he said to Jesus. Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Jesus' disciples, too, had many questions, always asking questions of Jesus. Even though they saw Jesus do great things and heard his wise, challenging teaching, they still did not understand. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astonished and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Two of Jesus' disciples, the brothers James and John, completely misses Jesus' point and ask him a surprising request. Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Everyone had so many questions of Jesus, yet Jesus never offers easy answers. And more often than not, Jesus responded to their questions with more questions of his own. This only confused the disciples more and outraged the religious leaders. Soon, Jesus was betrayed by one of his own confused disciples and arrested by the religious leaders. He was put on trial where both Jewish and Roman officials could finally force him to answer their questions. Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. But many gave false testimony against him, and their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Have you no answer? What is it that they testify against you? But he was silent. Again he asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, I am. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, Why do we still need witnesses? You have heard his blasphemy. Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, You say so. Then the chief priest accused him of many things. Pilate asked him again, Have you no answer? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further reply, so that Pilate was amazed. 
because Jesus refused to back down and to give them the answers that they wanted, they killed him. Throughout the book of Mark, no one sees Jesus clearly. No one understands. Everyone's always questioning him. But in that moment of Jesus' death as he hangs on the cross and breathes his last, one person has no more questions and finally sees who Jesus really is. Then Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now when the centurion, who who stood facing him, saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly this man was God's son. Let us pray. Our God, we have many questions. Thank you for putting up with us. May we see Jesus for who he truly is and not for who we would make him out to be. May we follow him always in the journey towards you. Amen. This past Thursday was our monthly pub theology. We've been doing this for almost a year now. And back in the spring, we invited the good folks at New Life Lutheran Church to join us. I'm regretting that a bit this week. Uh, Because Pastor Nate was leading the discussion and he had the great idea to come up with the theme for this month, Stump the Pastors, meaning anyone could show up and ask any question they wanted and we had to answer. Marty was blessed that she had another commitment and showed up late. There were some doozies thrown our way, I will admit, questions like, why the temperament change between angry God of the Old Testament and kind God of the New Testament. Or someone asked about Jeffrey Dahmer or someone like Jeffrey Dahmer. Could he be forgiven and receive grace? Some doozies. If you want to know the answer to those questions, just just email Nate at newlifelutheran.org and he'll, uh, he'll help you out. But I was struck in the moment at the pressure there was to give the right answers. After all, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to know the answers. Never mind the first sermon I ever preached for you was entitled, I Do Not Know. Uh, But there's still that pressure that we're supposed to know. We're supposed to know the answers to the questions we're all supposed to know. Now, there's a really bad joke about a pastor who was given a children's sermon. The pastor, trying to make some point, theological point, decides to make as an example an animal. And he asks the kids, trying to get them to guess the animal, what... What lives in a tree? They just stare at him. What, what eats nuts? It, it's gray. It has a long, bushy tail. The children look back and forth, confused by this discussion. It jumps from branch to branch. The pastor continues. It chatters when it's excited. And finally, one girl tentatively raises her hand. The pastor excited. Finally, someone has this simple answer, calls on her, and she says, well, I know the answer must be Jesus, but it sounds a lot like a squirrel to me. (laughs) Now, Roger, you've told that joke before, haven't you? Yeah, I thought so, yes. And maybe that's what we should have done Thursday night, just said Jesus and moved on. It's an easy answer. But the problem is when you read Jesus and you read the Gospels, Jesus doesn't like easy answers. He doesn't even like giving answers at all, as we've seen from these texts read. When asked a question, he usually responds with another question, a question that does more to perplex the person than help, that digs into the inquirer's motives in their very heart. 
Those seeking to stump the Messiah often leave stumped themselves. Now, as I mentioned, we're nearing this journey through the book of Mark. Only two more Sundays to go. And throughout the book of Mark, we've seen time and time again that people do not get Jesus. It's a theme in the book. No matter how popular he becomes, everyone from everywhere coming to see him, to hear what he has to say, to ask for his healing, everyone has an agenda for Jesus. And yet no one seems to understand what he's up to. They're looking for an answer to their problems and they think Jesus is it. They need a Messiah and they come with their own preconceived ideas as to what that Messiah should be. The religious leaders come looking for a Messiah who will declare once and for all who's clean and who's unclean and set them up as the proper judges, the leaders of Israel. The crowds are looking for a Messiah who will wipe away every sickness, every evil from their lives. The disciples are looking for a Messiah who will organize an army and lead in triumphal victory over the Romans and all who would oppress God's people. Some of the disciples, as we heard, are looking for a Messiah who will, in the new kingdom, give them seats of honor. Everyone has an agenda for this Messiah. And they come with their questions, already having the answers figured out. But Jesus doesn't give them the answers they're looking for. He doesn't measure up to their preconceived expectations. He even refuses to play the game altogether. No one will co-opt Jesus' mission. The Messiah cannot be controlled. And for many, it's demoralizing. One disciple named Judas, so utterly disappointed in what Jesus had become, heartbroken over the way his life had been led, betrays him to the authorities. And when finally arrested and charged with false testimony, Jesus is silent. Pilate, the local Roman official, is amazed at Jesus' silence. But he sees no reason to accuse Jesus. And yet the people keep crying for Jesus, crucify him, crucify him, they say. And Jesus won't give him any help. He refuses to play the game, so Pilate feels he has no choice. And he gives Jesus to the crowds. And no one can believe it. This Messiah, the King of the Jews, with all the power of God now hanging on a cross. What is going on? The religious leaders mock Jesus as he hangs there. He saved others. He can't save himself. His own disciples desert him and deny him. And he hangs there a symbol of disappointment and shame. And then he dies. And in that moment of his death, when you think it is over and there are no more questions to be asked because it's all finished. The Messiah finally stumped. No more answers to be given. But in that moment, the answer is finally revealed. And one person finally gets it. And it's the most unlikely of people. Not one of Jesus' disciples or family members. No one that he has healed. It's a Roman centurion. The Roman military leader charged with occupying Jerusalem, this man, this soldier whose allegiance is sworn to Rome, looks at the way Jesus dies and seeing him hanging on the cross says, truly, this man was the son of God. He's the only one other than the demons who make that confession in the gospel of Mark. Earlier in the gospel, Jesus tells his disciples not to speak of who he is until after 
his death and resurrection. And often you remember in stories of Jesus healing people. What would he do after? He would tell them, don't tell anybody what happened. Scholars have called this the messianic secret. Like Jesus is keeping secret throughout the whole gospel who he really is. And when you think about it, when you get to the end, it makes sense. After all, when everyone hears Messiah, they think a different thing. But Jesus knows what must happen. He knows the kind of Messiah he must be. What kind of Messiah the world needs. And so it's not until after he's died, as he hangs on the cross, that the answer is given. You can't understand who Jesus is until you've seen him hanging on the cross. A Messiah who willingly dies, who refuses to play humanity's games of power, who resists the cycle of violence. This and only this is who Jesus is. That's why Jesus refuses to play Stump the Messiah. He could offer easy answers, but that's not what he came for, not to give answers. He came to show us a way, a different way, a way that is not easy, a way that cannot be summed up in a creed or confession or statement of belief, a way that cannot be made in an argument. Jesus's way is the way of the cross. And if anyone wants to be my disciple, Jesus says earlier in the gospel, take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross and lay down the games we play. Lay down the need to have all the answers. Lay down the need to get it all right. Lay down your life for the sake of God's mission and follow Jesus. Watch the Lamb. That, Jesus says. That is the answer. Amen.